listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood sexologist and relationship expert, Jess O'Reilly, here with my much better half, Brandon Ware. The intros just keep getting better and better every week. Every week he says he's going to work on something to say, and every week he's like, uh, line, line. <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> Before we get started, a big thank you to Desire Resorts. Two resorts down on the Mayan Riviera. Couples only, clothing optional. Lots of fun stuff going on down there. And Brandon and I will be heading to Desire Resorts in October. You can check out the dates online. And, of course, check them out at Desire Resorts. Now, today, we are pleased to welcome Andrea Bain to the program. Andrea is a media personality podcaster. She was one of the hosts of The Goods on CBC, and she is also the author of the book, Single Girl Problems. And Andrea is here to talk about just that, Single Girl Problems. How are you doing, Andrea? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. How is everything going? I'm wonderful. Thanks for being here. So you've got this book, Single Girl Problems. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say you're a single girl. You're, you're a single woman. Yeah. It, you know what? It was just, it's just single girl problems was just easier. You, you know, when you're coming up for a title for the book, you know, and, and especially in this day and age, everybody's very particular about being called a girl or a lady or a woman, but I'm like, just for the book, I'm like single girl problems. Yeah, Everybody exactly. kind of, yeah, it kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit more than single woman problems. <laughs> sounds like, yeah, <laughs> sounds like you've got some kind of thing you got to book an appointment with your OBGYN to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought single girl problems would kind of like allude more to like dating and relationship stuff. But yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Mm. The way I think we see girls as single and women as partnered to some degree. And you're mm. a woman and you say, you know, you admit your age, you're over 30, as am I. Yep. So what, what's going on right now out there for singles? Are you dating? Are you facing problems? What's the landscape like? Well, here's the deal. This is why I, I, this question is exactly the, the answer to this question is the reason why I wrote this book. There's a lot going on. There is, there's been a shift. There's like, I don't even know where to start. Like there's been a shift in the way that women um, are living our lives between like between our mother's generation and our grandmother's generation, my generation there's been a whole shift because as I tell people all the time, I'm living a life that my grandmother couldn't even imagine. Like it was not possible. A lot of the things that I do living by myself, having a choice, whether I wanted to get married or not get married, have children, not have children, all of those good things. And my mother, she was raised with that very old school. Like you get, my mom was married, but by the time she was 21 and having kids by the time she was 23. And it was like, and she wasn't the only one of her friends doing that. All of her peers, all of her relatives did the same thing. And now my generation, we kind of like, we kind of threw that out. And some of us did that, but a lot of us were like, hey, we don't, we don't really have to do that. And we have all of these choices. That being said, um, it's been like a real kick in the teeth. Um, every time, you know, people in society still want to treat you like you are around in your, par- in your grandparents' generation, where they have a real problem like they they see it was a real problem to be solved when you're single especially as soon as you hit uh over 29 i tell people i'm like i used to have the most interesting conversations with people before i turned 30 and as soon as i turned 30 everybody i mean 
everybody wanted to know right off the bat, like, how come you're not married? What's the problem? Are you, what are you, are you too picky? What's going on? What about your biological clock? When are you going to have babies? And I was like, what is happening? Like, why am I being treated in this way that all of a sudden, and my male, and then to watch my male peers who were not being bombarded with those questions, I was like, what is happening? So I spent a lot of time having these conversations and it just kind of all uh, led to me writing this book. But just to kind of reassure single women, you know, just remind yourself, turn down the volume on all the people who are telling you what you're supposed to be doing and turn up the volume on what's right for you. And I think that's why we see this whole shift in like, there's a, for the first time in Canada, the number of single people outnumber the, the amount of people who are married, married households. There's a shift. In Europe, it's the same thing, like in a lot of uh, countries. But we still kind of, we don't kind of, we still treat women like if you are not married and if you don't have children, something's wrong. Your value's not as good. Nobody wants you. You're a little, you must be damaged goods. And it's, it's ridiculous. But uh, a lot of people believe that. And I know there are, I have a lot of single girlfriends who are depressed and settling for nonsense just so they can, you know, get out of this horrible group. Because God forbid you sleep in your own bed like a starfish and, and you know, <laughs> and, create, <laughs> and create your own fun and create your own life. Uh, it's been, but it's been interesting. Well, actually, that sounds amazing, having a bed all to yourself to begin <laughs> with. But I, I'm sure Brandon's thinking that right now because I actually sleep as a violent starfish. I have been <laughs> in my sleep. Yeah. I, have been, I have been brutally injured. I wake up with scratches and bruises all over the place uh, so we have single girl problems and married men problems <laughs> oh my god he has to write a book uh sleeping with a starfish sleeping yeah. with a starfish uh, at least he's not having sex with a starfish right? <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that, that is a good thing that is a very good thing to be honest some nights you know it's the best a girl can do <laughs> yeah <laughs> some weeks, some months, you know I mean, once you're a sexologist, it's like having, they always say, you know, if you have real jewelry, I remember my like aunt who's really into jewelry and fanciness mm -hmm. saying, once you have real jewelry, then you can buy fake jewelry because nobody will know the difference. They assume you have real jewelry. Well, yes. once you are a sexologist, you don't really have to do anything because they just assume you're good in bed. <laughs> well, I, if I went to, it's so true. Cause if I met a guy and he was like, if I met a guy online and he was like, I'm a sexologist. I'm like, well, I'm about to get my my edge is sweated out because this is going to be good. He must know everything. I'm just going to sit back and let him do all the work. Perfect. Well, it's funny because that's my motto too. I'm going to sit back and let him do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is both of us have that motto, so it never really works out. That's not true. You're, so, you're, you're way more giving. So, okay. So I, I love what you're saying. I think this is such an important discussion because we know that there's a shift. We know that people are delaying marriage. We know that millennials are in fact, rejecting marriage at this point, but a lot mm -hmm. of people think they're going to come around. I think the message that you don't need to get married at 21 and have children right away resonates with most women. I do think most, even people of all genders acknowledge this, but there's still this thing that once you hit late 20s, early 30s, you hit your mid 30s, that you have to settle down. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's all this research that says that, you know, married, married people fare better, married people yeah. have higher incomes, greater health outcomes, but as long as you have a strong social network, yes. it doesn't matter whether that's someone who you play starfish with at night or, yeah. just, or just somebody who's very important to you. So you're, you're single. Who is your person? Who are your people? 
Uh, I have a very strong network of friends, but that was something that was a conscious choice because when I was, it, it's been, you know, you shift as you get older and your, your group of friends change, but I have a very strong group of friends who live interesting lives and do amazing things. And they're everything from entrepreneurs to homemakers um, to people who work in the same industry as I do. We're, we're friends not because we're living the same life. I find sometimes married people have a way of like, I have a lot of married friends and if you look at their circle, everybody's living the same life. They all live in the suburbs. They all have two children. They all kind of do the same thing. Um, and my, my group of friends, is a little bit of everything. They're not all, the, we're not all the same age. I have friends in their twenties. I have friends in their fifties. Um, I just like interesting people, but that's who I am. I'm, I want to be around people who I can learn from, um, who will encourage me to do great things. And that's my circle of friends. But you're, you're so right because I think, uh, a lot of times uh, single people can isolate themselves uh, from everybody because they feel bad because they don't have this thing that they think is going to like make their life better. Um, and then they only hang out with like, and I've, I, I've been with this group of friends as well. They only hang out. They only want to hang out with girls who are constantly bitching about being single. Hmm. All the guys, all guys are the worst. Guys are the worst. Like I, the, you know what the problem is? You're just so amazing. And he, he just is, he's too intimidated by you. I cannot stand those girls. I cannot hang out with people who think that way. It's like, that's utter nonsense. Stop hanging out with that kind of negative attitude. It's not going to get you what you want. If you, in fact, want to get married and have children, there's nothing wrong with that. But be, it just because it hasn't happened for you when you think it should have happened for you, it does not mean that there are no good men in your city. If you live in a city like I live in Toronto, there are millions of people. And every day I talk to a single woman who's like, there are no men here. And I'm like, um, I beg to differ. I think there are a lot of men here. Yeah, and a lot of good men. And I hear this yeah. a lot because I'm also Toronto-based. and mm. uh, But I, I really work around the world. And I've mm. never heard people in a city complain as intensely as they do in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe Shanghai. And I think Shanghai has good reason because of colonialism and racism and a whole bunch of poverty and all a bunch of other things. But Toronto, yeah. Yeah. where so many people have so many privileges... They say it's the hardest dating scene. So I know that you're single and you ought mm. to be single, but for people who are dating, um, you've, you've already given some really good advice, which is, well, you've said three, two things that really resonate me, with me. One, stop complaining. If you believe that you're not going to find somebody great and you believe you're better than everyone else, then go be with yourself. Thank I mean, you. maybe you didn't say it so harshly, but I will say it that way. Mm-hmm. Secondly, surround yourself, whether you're dating or with a with you know with friends with people who share the same values not people who live the same lifestyle and that's so true I mean because parents are very busy and they like to tell us how much busier they are than those of us who are not parents yes (laughs) Um, and because and married people as well and because so much revolves around the schedule of their children they'll hang out with someone they don't feel as much connection to because they go to the mommy and me class together so they're not choosing people based on values and inspiration but they're choosing people based on convenience and that's sort of like going back to grade school isn't it yep we're in the same class we sit next to each other so we should be friends our last names are are close my last name starts with a b yours starts with a c so i guess we're (laughs) going to become best friends now and i think there's also a security i think there's like i because I, I talk to my, my married friends who, who moved to the suburbs and live that there's a security that they feel. There's, it's very interesting where they, they're like, well, we've chosen this lifestyle. And there's sometimes there's a little bit of attitude where they think they've, they're living a much better life. And they just, 
want to hang out with people who've made the same decision. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah. And it's like, we've decided this is what we're going to do. So we are a little bit better. Like, thank goodness we're not dating anymore. Because they always have that. Oh, I don't know what I do, Andrea, if I were you. Oh, I wouldn't even know where to go to meet somebody. How do you do it? And there's a little bit of an attitude. And it's like, be careful. Life can switch up on you at any moment. And you can find yourself back being single. You never know. You never know. But I think it's that security of just being around people who've made that same decision. So, and I don't want to like make it sound like I'm talking badly about them, but I know a lot of single women who, who are around those women and they're dying to be those women. They think that they're living the best life in the entire world. And it's like, marriage will not make you happy. You have to make you happy. If you're a happy person, then you will choose a great happy person. Then you will have, you know, all the happiness in the world. But if you think that just by, it's, it's not like a math equation where it's like, if I add this guy who has a good, you know, job, and then we buy that house in the suburbs, and then we buy that minivan, and then I pop out two kids who are three years apart, because that's the way it's done, then I will have all the happiness in the world. And then there are a lot of people sitting in those houses who are very miserable, who are like, wait a second, this was supposed to make me happy. This was supposed to be the dream. And then they're, they're a little bit like, wait, I was single and I was, I miserable, I was miserable. And now I'm here and I get all the things that everybody said I should have. And I'm, why am I not happy? Why because am I so you were miserable? miserable to begin it's a, with? It's such a great Exactly. You to say that you're ultimately responsible for your own happiness and not, you know, forcing that decision or that thing to happen based on what somebody else says. Like, I just, yep. I think that it's such an important point for people to hear. Yeah, and, yeah. It, it, and it applies to singles and couples alike because yeah. singles are sitting here waiting for the person to make them happy, some singles, yes. and couples are sitting here waiting for their partner to make them happy. And as you said, marriage doesn't make you happy. One person doesn't make you happy. They enhance whatever you've already got. Exactly. So what I want to go back to surrounding yourself with people mm -hmm. who have made the same decisions. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's a piece of wanting to be with people who don't have a better life than you. Like, I'm wondering if you don't want to be around people whose lifestyles make you a little bit jealous. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to all of us, to people. Um, you know, because I see that, that sometimes my friends, because I have, a, I have quite a, an exciting job, okay? I derive mm -hmm. a big amount of fulfillment in my life from my job because I, I travel to a different place, usually to, to a different country every single week. And... Wow. You know, I have the security of, of Brandon back mm. home, who sometimes comes with me, but sometimes is just waiting for me. And mm. I find that some of my friends who have settled into that life um, don't ever ask about my work and almost don't want to hear about it. And you're saying that you surround yourself with people who have made the same decisions. And I wonder if it's because we don't want to be, we don't want to want something else. We don't want to admit that, hey, you know what, that life could be exciting too, or I might be having more fun if. And I'm wondering if you think that whether you're single or partnered, mm -hmm. you should choose friends whose life in some way could make you a little jealous, not envious, but you could say, man, I kind of wish I had some of that. And we, we see jealousy as so unhealthy in our culture, but I see it as something healthy because it helps you acknowledge what you're looking for. And then you can find pieces of it that fit your lifestyle. But isn't it about kind of getting inspired too from the yes. people around? Like for me, I'm inspired from a work perspective by people who are motivated, exciting. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be around the people. And again, I'm making work references here who are constantly commiserating and, and complaining about the same thing day yes. after 
day. I want to be around people who are like, man, I am doing this and this is exciting. And then in turn, I get excited about that. So you can apply those same principles to relationships to anything at all. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I think the word, I like to, to use the word encourage. I mm-hmm. like to be around people who encourage me and remind me that I'm doing, I'm doing well, but I could be doing more because we have the same amount of hours in the same day. And this person is kicking butt doing all of these amazing things. I'm so glad you're my friend and you're telling me about all these wonderful things that are happening for you. And I'm happy for you because that's the most important part. And maybe that conversation also sparks, you know, an idea in my head that, you know what, maybe I could be doing a little bit more. Maybe I do have to read a little bit more about this, this, or this. What could I be doing? Not to follow what they're doing, which I think is the problem between single, like the whole single girl problem. It's that you hear you're you're at your girlfriends, and especially when you go through these phases, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about, where in your 20s, all of a sudden, 20s into like early 30s, you have like a million wedding invitations. Everybody's getting married. So you go to these, you go to these weddings and all the pre-wedding jazz, and you see one of your friends being the center of attention at all at the event, and everybody's, you know, uh, ooing and eyeing, and she looks great, and her whole family, and everybody's excited and she's excited and there's a jealousy of like I want I want what she has like why isn't it my turn why don't I get to have that but I really feel like the reality is that is for her and in time in your own time you can have that but what are you doing in the meantime to make yourself happy don't try to get her happiness that is for her and she's met this person and that is her story what are you doing instead of like and i think that jealousy sometimes can work against single people where it's like yeah you're jealous because you're watching a girl wear a really nice big ring we all like jewelry damn it like we all (laughs) like a good ring i'm not gonna front and it's nice to be at a party where everybody you're the center of attention and everybody gets up and makes a great speech about you but if you go to too many of those you it can i've seen it you'll see single women at the party they're sitting at that reception and they don't look so happy at the end of the night because they're looking at their lives kind of going why don't i have this why right. am I not doing that? And it's like, be- sorry, go ahead. Um, I'm like, and, and I think that's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing to happen. It's inevitable because we're all human, but it's a dangerous headspace to be in to think that because your girlfriend's happy, you need to have ex- do exactly what she's doing. And you want the same ring and you want a date just like this. And you want 500 yeah. people to show up on a Saturday and, you know, celebrate you and hoist you. I, oh. Listen, I've been to a lot of those weddings. Chinese wedding, yeah, we have. My family has those. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a lot. Like, I, I'm also my friends are very diverse. Like, I have a Sri Lankan friends who like that wedding. I think it was like three days. It was insanity. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I have a lot of Indian girlfriends. So that wedding, those are nothing less than four hundred people. Yeah. Then my Greek and Italian girlfriends. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't even bother counting. Like, I like I. So I've seen it from every single cultural background. So it's yeah. and it's all, but it's all the same effect on the single women of just like and driving you know, a little bit crazy. The best part of a five hundred person wedding. You don't have to talk to everybody. You don't even have to go because they won't know if you were there. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, you know what? I love I love leaving a party without saying a word. And the more people at the party, the more they do not notice that I've just slipped out and they don't even know when I left. It's like exactly. I've come. I had fun. I put, I gave the envelope. There's some money in there. God yeah. bless. I'll see you guys later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so the other thing we have to realize is that not everybody wants that. It's a cultural prescription that you need to have that. But if mm-hmm. you really dig down, it's like monogamy. Not everybody wants monogamy. So yeah. why are we just accepting marriage and monogamy as default settings? And if you do want it, 
good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. But figure out what you want. Don't assume that because there's a magazine and you know you can spend thirty thousand dollars on average that it's something you need to have because it's not for everyone. And uh, and the wedding day is a really interesting thing to me, Andrea. I'm always mm-hmm. saying stop investing in your wedding and start investing in your marriage. Marriage, yes. The effort these people put in to the flowers and the napkin rings and the, all of these little pieces will have no outcome on your relationship, right? Uh, you need to work on your happiness first. Now, I, I want to move on to something else. So as a single woman, you face mm-hmm. so much discrimination. So I know mm-hmm. I have married privilege. And let's not even talk about the fact that I'm married, you know, to Brandon, who is successful and handsome and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but just by being virtue, just by virtue of being married to someone, Mm-hmm. As a woman, people treat me differently. There is mm-hmm. status in marriage. And the flip side is that there are social costs to being single. So aside, aside from strangers and taxi drivers mm-hmm. asking about your marital status and making mm-hmm. assumptions, mm-hmm. what discrimination do you face either from friends or in, in work as an entrepreneur or you know, from other, other couples? What, do you, what are you up against? Uh, well, here's, it's, a, uh, it's a great question. Um, and one thing that I, I researched in the book, because I wanted to find out the answer to this question. I wanted to know why everybody, even people, whether they were acquaintances or family members, were so interested and seemed to be so bothered. And what I found was in every single culture, in every, almost, almost every single country around the world, a woman's value is tied to her ability to have children and to get married. Mm-hmm. And not in that order. You're supposed to get married and have babies. And then not until you have done that do most cultures, and it's also religious for a lot of people, not until a woman does that is she seen as a full, happy person. So if you figure it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter how it's 2018, it doesn't matter what year it is. If that's the attitude from everybody's culture, and even if you've, you know, you've moved and maybe you're, you know, you have all these ideas in your head and you're a new person, you're not like your great grandfather, that's still embedded in you. You were still raised with that idea that that's what a woman's, that's what her purpose is. Um, and as for the negativity, I've gone into, what's, what's baffling is, you know, when I'm at a wedding reception or at a baby shower, I kind of go in bracing myself for these conversations because that's usually where it comes up. And it's obvious. Somebody's, you know, changing their life by having a baby or getting married. So everybody's going to talk about it. Like, so who are you dating? But what's been really surprising is um, when I go into business meetings, Uh, I've been working in in television for almost 20 years, um, which, you know, your career had like, has nothing to do with my, my, my dating status has nothing to do with it. And um, the worst I've ever had was a woman who was an executive who I had a meeting with. I had an idea, a show to pitch to her. Um, with two other friends of mine who were everybody in the room was, you know, had a lot of experience and very successful. And, you know, you just start off shaking hands. Nice to see you. And before I could put my butt on the chair in front of her desk, she made a face like, like she was confused. And she was like, so what's going on? I heard you're still single. What's that about? Oh my and gosh. I was like, yeah, for me, for, that's for me, the point. For me, yeah, for, exactly. Questions that a man who goes into a pitch meeting would never be asked before he even starts. Like maybe the conversation might trail there in some natural way, but before I even sat down, she was judging me for because I've known her for a while. So she was like, you know, she's known me, and I was single before, and she was just like, so what? Like, what is that about? And all of a sudden, I my frame of mind and my purpose for being there was all like like thrown away 
because I wasn't married. She's looking at my, like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand it. Like, what's, and I thought that, could you imagine if I, as a single woman, walked up to married people and said, so you're still with this bozo? I thought you would have gotten rid of him. Are you still doing this? You made a bait. I want to say, listen, there have been times, don't get it twisted. There have been lots of times that I want to say it, but I would never, but there is a comfort people have with just attacking. And I, another time I was uh, working with another woman who's married and she made, she did all the things that you, that, you know, that women are so quote unquote supposed to do. She's married. She has three sons. She got married in her twenties, all that good stuff. And so her and I are close in age. So she was looking at me and she was just like, yeah, so this is at a meeting again, a meeting at work. She goes, so I was talking to my girlfriends about you this past weekend. And we were just like, so what are you going to do? What's going to happen to you when you get older? Like, like you're not going to look this good forever. So like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I was just like, I just really look around the room. Like, is anybody else hearing this BS? Am I the only person who's hearing this? Like, what are you, what are you asking me? What are you asking me? Yeah, and she's like, aren't you? And then there's always, a, she asked me, aren't you afraid of like dying alone? I go, did somebody give you a guarantee that you and your husband would die to holding hands like the notebook? Like, no, exactly. And that's my biggest fear, like in marriage and also in life. Cause you know, um, I live a bit of a singles lifestyle just because I'm gone all the time. Yeah. We have very yeah. 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 I, I mean, a lot of people say that, but like literally I, I flew in last night. I go leave again this morning. Um, but I, I really love Brandon and I, I love life with him and I, I want to grow old with him and my biggest fear in life because I know there's no guarantee Thank that he's going to be lying next to me. And so I also have to live my life and derive satisfaction from other areas of my life. But these stories you're telling, so I was really interested in the business mm -hmm. side mm -hmm. uh, because I, I do wonder, because of what I do for a living, I work primarily with couples. Mm -hmm. I don't think that these groups, these executive groups that hire me around the world would hire me if I was single. And yeah. I hear pity like people are pitying you in these stories. Yeah. And I do wonder if that's some projection, if actually they're just really unhappy with their Oh, do you think? Do you think? I, you know what I tell, I, I've been doing a lot of talks since my book's been released. And I, one thing I, I always make sure that I tell the single women in the room, I said, let me explain something. This is what I took me a long time to figure this out. When somebody approaches you with an attitude, a negative attitude about you being single, that speaks more about them then that yes. speaks about you. I know it's probably hurting your feelings because you're wondering why they would say those things, but just know that that's their fear that they're projecting onto you. This woman who is, you know, married with three children sitting with me in a meeting, she can't predict that her life, that she will have wedded bliss until she dies any more than I can. But she mm -hmm. is, feels secure in thinking that her life is better and that she will have this notebook ending. That's not it. That's her fear is that her husband will die before she does because she hasn't been single in probably 20 something years. And she probably was, right. is afraid of the idea of living by herself, sleeping by herself, knowing where all the money is. Because when you're a single person, you have to know all of those things. Like, like people ask me questions, I go, there's nobody else to kill the spider. I got to kill the spider if I want the spider out of my house. Like there's nobody else to balance the checkbook. You have to know those things where a lot of women who are in long-term relationships, they've relinquished a lot of that. So they kind of like, so what do you do? Like, what do you do? I go, you just do right. it. You right. just do it. Right. And Brandon needs me to kill every single spider. <laughs> so, if I was single, I'd probably Quite just, the man here. I'd probably just go pick up and be like, can you kill that spider? So, but you become a better person for doing those things, for taking yeah. responsibility. Yeah. To, the complete task that needs to be completed. I've yeah. said that before that when I'm on the road, 
I do a lot of things that when I'm at home, Brandon does for me. And it's Mm -hmm. so good for me. Like it's great to have a partner who of course balances you out and whatnot, but I think it's also nice to have that awakening. Yeah. Um, And it sounds as though women are framed simultaneously as victims and Mm. predators, right? And men are the ones who are going to protect us as victims and fall prey to us. And I think to, I wonder if there's a distrust of single women. Jess, you're killing me right now. Yeah, we're, yes. talking, like, we're talking very heteronormatively here. Yes, of course. Um, but I, I think that there's a distrust. I think, I mean, me as a sexologist and a relationship expert and the fact that I always wear five-inch heels, if mm-hmm. I were to walk into these couples' <laughs> sessions and be like, oh, so I'm single, I, don't, I, I honestly think that... The they would all get up and leave. They would yeah. all get up and leave. They'd be like, we don't want to hear sex from this attractive woman in her high heels. My husband doesn't need that kind of distraction. Honey, get your stuff. We're leaving. That's exactly what would happen. That's exactly. And yeah, not all of them. Of course, like many of them are secure, but enough of them that it would affect my business. So for you, the discrimination single women face literally affects your bottom line. Yeah. It, well, you know what? I don't know. Let I don't. It's kind of like you make a choice in life. If you want to let people's negativity affect you, I've decided that that's not part of my life. It's not something that I need in my life at all. Right. So I don't pay attention to it. I am aware that it exists. I have. I have had that many times. I think it's quite funny because I even wrote. I think I wrote it in my. I hope to God I wrote it in my book. Um, that I have been around enough uh, married women who, you know, of course, are asking me like. So I like, you know, why are you single? I've got this friend at work and they always want to try to set you up with somebody. And there is a distrust. They do not want you talking to their husbands, even in like, and I'm talking about in a, in a, a group setting. I'm not talking about having his personal phone number and calling him at 12 o'clock at night. In a group mm-hmm. setting, they're not too keen on you having a long conversation, anything, and I mean long, anything more than three minutes with their husband that they can't hear every single word. There are a lot of women who are not keen on it, especially if you're, I'm like you, I'm lipstick, hair done, uh, high heels all the time. That's who I've always been since I was nine. And I begged my mother for my first pair of heels. (laughs) Um, And I make no apologies for it, but there are a lot of women who, a lot of married women who are not, they think that, they think that because I'm single, um, I must be dying for a husband. And because I can't find one, a single man, then I'm going to start poaching husbands. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like, first of all, first sweetie, of all. if I told you what I thought about your husband, you'd probably <laughs> never speak to me again. Um, and that's not who I am. And listen, yes, do women, do those women exist? Yes. But are all of those women single? No. Well, and that's a real, I mean, that's a relationship issue that has yes. really nothing to do with, with gender or marriage. That's like, if you've got, if that is your relationship, you've got bigger issues you've got to work on. Now, we, we have to wrap up, but I want to ask, since people are always trying to set you up and save you from yourself. Yes. Um, <laughs> are you dating? Or are you open to dating? I'm, I'm not setting you up. No, no, I love <laughs> that. It's like, no, no. Um, you know what? I am, I am. I just broke up with somebody recently, um, but I am dating. Um, I just met somebody. I just broke up with somebody, but I also just met somebody new. Uh, I, I am dating. I don't, people always ask me if I do a lot of online dating and I know it's very popular. 40 mil, I think over 40 million people in North America are online dating. Um, I like to meet people. I'm still a little bit old school. I like to meet people face to face, which it, it works the best for me, but I also am very social and I go out a lot and I'm very chatty. Um, but yeah, I just broke up with somebody who was a great person, but uh, you know, there were just complications. He himself was, uh, he'd been a, came out of a 20 year relationship and he had a teenage daughter and uh, I don't think he was 
him or his daughter were quite ready for uh, a long-term relationship. You know, she, he still has some father and parenting issues to deal with. So I just, you know, politely took myself out of that situation. Um, and it was, it was a great learning experience for the both of us. It was the first time I ever dated somebody with children, um, which is a whole other ball game. Good grief. That could be, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of books about that, but yeah, I don't look at it as a negative. You move on. What's supposed to be will be is my attitude. So yeah, right. but if, if you see me and I'm strutting around in my four inch heels, feel free to stop and say hi. Hey. I, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, your picture will be up and we'll tweet it out. You might actually probably will get people you don't want to talk to given my following, but you know, there's some really awesome. great ones too, of course. Uh, well, you have a podcast, a new podcast. Can you just tell us where people can find that? And I'm sure you'll be talking about your single adventures as well as your dating adventures. And I love that this is about being single, not just about dating. Yes. Well, okay. So it's, it hasn't launched yet. It's launching soon with Entertainment One. Um, it's called Single Girl Problems. Very simple to simple uh, things that you can find it. And what I decided to do is I didn't want to just talk to single women or single men about being single because I feel like that podcast, I wouldn't, like, I'd listen to that once and be like, okay, that's good. I'm good. I wanted to talk to people about relationships. And so I have everything from gay straight, trans, black, white, like everybody. And we have three topics. I have two guests on every single show. And we just have like, it's like kitchen table talk where we just have a real conversation about what's going on in relationships, relationship issues, new dating trends, whatever it is. I kind of make sure I gear it towards my guests and what's going on in their lives. People who are in common law relationships. I talk about like, you know, there's a new trend in going 50-50 on your engagement ring, which I think is hilarious. So we kind of, but it's always a light, um, but fun conversation. And we also have a lot of viewer questions that we help people. Well, it's like, it's, it's not help that I would ever give a person a prescription for, but it's like fun <laughs> advice on what to do with their dating woes. Um, yeah, so that was, yes. Single girl problems, but you can, you know what, follow me on my Instagram. It's, it's Miss Bain to you. I-T-S-M-I-S-S. B-A-I-N, the number I'll, two you. Um, I'll shoot you out so they can find Yeah, you. exactly. And then, yeah, as soon as, 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 soon as, it, as, soon as it launches, uh, it will be, I'll have it all on my social media so everybody can listen to it. And we have at least, I think we have 10 shows already recorded. So you can binge and listen to everybody. And we have celebrities, we have experts, we have everybody. So it's been a, it's been a blast. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I hope that I, we're in the same city, so I hope we run into one another. And I am chatty, so I will look for you and hopefully join you for, for a drink. Yes, we need to do a rosé date on a patio. I can feel that happening. 10 a.m. It works for me. <laughs> Listen, it'll be time to drink somewhere. I'm good with it. There we go. Well, thank you again for being here. And uh, we'll make sure that make sure folks that you find Miss Bain, and I'll shout her out and make sure that you can find all of her contact info and check out her podcast. Now, the more we chat about being single and having kids and how women are treated differently than men, than men, the more I realize that women's bodies are seen as baby-making ovens. And I face this all the time because we've been married together 17 years and we don't have children. And people look at me with pity they're confused. They, they want to like ask if we, people literally, Brandon, will ask me if we can have children. Wow. People I barely know ask about our fertility status because, and the other pieces that I, we want to adopt and I've wanted to adopt for about 17 years. And I, I had a podcast on it actually, because Gregorien Jutra 
from, um, I just wanted to pretend I, I do my French accent <laughs> there. Grego from uh, The Real Housewives of Toronto was my inspiration 18 years ago for wanting to adopt a child because she is adopted and she tells her story. And anyhow, you can go back and listen to that podcast. What a great relationship they have, too. They do, yeah. And Pierre just swoons over her. And yeah. I wish I was as eloquent as he is. No, yeah, you're not quite as poetic, but you're no, just, you're he's, just he's as amazing. amazing. No, you're just as awesome. But uh, because, I want, because we want to adopt, people feel entitled to ask me about like whether we could have kids and all of these questions and they would never ask Brandon those questions. What are you hoping, like what if you ask that question and then the person that you're asking, you know, hey, how are you, can you guys not have kids? No, we can't. We've been trying for seven years and we can't have children. There's an you awkward You want an awkward silence? There you go. <laughs> yeah. That... But, but what Andrea had said in that, in, in her comments today was so interesting. Number one, that you're responsible for your own happiness hinging it or hitching it to the idea of being married or, be, or you know, having, you know, three kids or whatever it is that you think is going to bring you happiness won't necessarily do it. You're ultimately responsible for that. Not, not fi like finding your group of people that are going to inspire and encourage you to be a, the best version of yourself, no matter whether you're married or not. Um, and the idea that you're, you're questioned like women are questioned based on, are you married? Do you have children? Like I'll tell you, I never get, I rarely, 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 rarely get asked those questions. And when I am asked those questions, when I cross paths with people on the street that have the, I hate to say audacity to ask if I am still with you, I wonder what their motivations are. What are you hoping to achieve by asking me if I'm still with my partner? That's such a weird question. I get that. People say, oh, are you still with, uh, and they never remember your name. You know what? If you don't know my partner well yeah. enough, don't even ask me. Ask yeah. me about the friggin' weather. Yeah. Ask me about <laughs> something else because what are you hoping for? <laughs> no, I'm not, man. It was terrible. Yeah. It was a horrible breakup. Horrible breakup. I never want to talk about it again. What's new with you? Here's what I'd say. Here's what I'd say. We've consciously uncoupled. Oh, yeah. oh gosh. Okay. So, so I want I, I want to wrap this up and um, you know talk a little bit about being single, and also a little bit about dating. But one thing I was thinking was that couples, if you are married, if you have a partner, we need to stop leaving single people out. We need to invite them along and include our single friends because, I mean, Brandon and I, we know three is not a crowd. We hang with singles all the time because we can learn so much from them. You know, if, if you're going on a weekend trip and it's all couples, do not assume that your single friend doesn't want to join. Like They like to do stuff too, and apparently they still like you, even though, you know, you're a couple who hides out at Home Depot on the weekend and only posts pictures of you know, you, you and your partner and your kids. And if, if, if you're part of a couple, hang out with single friends together and separately because single people tend to be more social. They go out more, they meet new people, and they are more likely to do new and challenging things. Guess what? You need to be like that too, even if you're married. Uh, we know that like single people tend to embrace the growth mindset and push their comfort zone they show up to parties alone i noticed that people who are in couples never are very rarely do that like if their partner gets sick all of a sudden both of them can't come like can't this i mean if the sick person well, needs, I mean, to, be sick cared person for, needs to be cared for you know what else is great about single people what's that they keep couple people out past nine thirty. <laughs> 
It's true. It's true. You know what, though? You and I go out, and I'll admit that sometimes I'm the first one to bounce. But one thing that I will not do is I am not going to drag you away from a party. And, man, you are not going to leave a party anyways. I will never leave but, that party until they turn the lights you know, on. <laughs> it's cool if I want to go and I want to Houdini my way out of there and disappear. And I don't need you. I'm not going to force you to come back with me if you don't want to. Well, I you're mean, not strong enough to. What's a physical Physically force? Physically force Well, that, I might get arrested. You're trying to get me off of the table I'm dancing on? Yeah, for real. That's Or like pouring shots down people's throats. I don't do that anymore, man. No, don't man. spread rumors. It's been rumors. like six months since you've been stop, doing it. Stop, stop. No, I'm, I'm a new Jess. Yeah. I'm a new Jess. So, yes, um, you don't have to do everything together, and I think we can learn a lot from our single friends in that respect. And if you are single and you are dating... I've been talking a lot about this lately, and I, I always like to leave you with some thoughts or insights. You can, you know, choose to disregard them if you if they don't suit your needs. But I think it's really important that if you are dating, that you don't treat a date like an interview. Uh, Andrea was referring to some of her friends who go to a wedding and they see the wedding as a goal. And I don't think you can be so incredibly goal-oriented on a first or second or third date. So if don't get hung up on assessing your dates, assets, and deficits. Instead, just focus on how you're feeling in the moment. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. How you feel about yourself in the presence of another person is a good measure of the relationship. Whether it's your boss, a client, people you work with, your parents, your lovers, your siblings, stop measuring and start start. Feeling. And if that sounds a little abstract, um, I'll get a bit more specific. So if you're on a date and you catch yourself assessing the date or analyzing your compatibility, just wiggle your toes. Wiggle your toes to distract yourself from those thoughts and come back to the present moment and really get in your feelings. Like get in there um, because you need to take a breath and feel what's happening in your tummy or in your body. And it's so important, whether you're on a date or you're with your partner, it's important to relationships and sex in general. And it's whether you're single or dating or in a relationship because we fall into the bad habit of spectatoring. So being a spectator, instead of enjoying or experiencing the moment, you look in from the outside to see how it's going, like you're watching pervert. And in the bedroom, this distracts, detracts from pleasure and arousal and can actually lead to sexual issues. And in fights with a partner, it can be a problem because we focus on winning an argument or telling our partner what they're doing wrong instead of focusing on the issue and feelings at hand. And we do it on dates. And when we become a spectator on a date or at the dinner table or in the bedroom, you can't be present. I, I got a piece of advice here. Okay. What I do is I send myself email reminders. Mm. So I'll set reminders through today to take a moment and just take 30 seconds. I actually send myself an email that says, take 30 seconds and just take a few deep breaths and enjoy. And think about the things that you're grateful for. And that may sound cheesy, but as a guy who doesn't, who's had to learn to be more appreciative and, and grateful for what he has, I'll send myself these random reminders through the week that's a, that say take 30 or 60 seconds and take a few deep breaths and just think about the things that you're grateful for. So if I was going on a date with somebody and I knew that I tend to analyze or 
all these things that you had just made reference mm -hmm. to, I'd send myself a reminder. So halfway through the date or halfway through dinner, it would just get an email or a text message. You're says, reading your texts on our date? Hell yeah, I am, because I'm always checking my phone. Oh my god, you're going to be the worst date. I'm going to be a terrible date. <laughs> but I would. I'd send myself that reminder. And you check it in the bathroom? I would check it in the bathroom. Okay, fair enough. Boom, Part. wiggle your toes. Yeah, anything physical brings you back to the present, and you can't really enjoy a date if you're not present. So just a breath, a giggle, a joke, a flirtation, a touch of a hand, a sip of wine. Do something physical to bring yourself back to the present and enjoy yourself. Because, I mean, dating is supposed to be fun. And again, I, I want to reiterate, you can be single and not dating, right? Um, you don't have to be dating if you're single. Some people aren't interested. You can, you can swear them off for the summer or for the year. Um, so as, as we close out, I was thinking that I think a lot of couples worry that they're not having as much fun as their single friends. And I think Andrea really spoke to this, that you surround yourself who have made you surround yourself with people who have made the same decisions of, as you in order to rationalize them. And I think couples, you know, can be jealous of their single friends' independence and, and freedom, just like I think singles can feel they're missing out on the companionship or the idealized lifestyle of being partnered. And this is, this is a phenomenon that is fairly universal. And we refer to it as normative idealization. So even though we can be a little bit jealous of what other people have, we tend to idealize and rationalize our own lifestyle. And we derive comfort and confidence in those choices that we've made from the belief that everyone else wants the same thing. We believe that everyone else would benefit from following in our Footsteps. So in other words, we rationalize our relationship and life choices so that we feel better about them. And so I think what's really important in here is that we don't put our stuff on other people. Like we realize that, like for me, for instance, I really like being in a relationship. As do I. That was some, some deep thoughts by Jessica <laughs> No, Yeah, but this normative idealization leads us to believe that what we're doing is the right thing. And it's not. It's what's right for us at this time. And it's not necessarily right for anybody else. So, But you can change that so easily. If you don't feel, if you feel jealous about the fun that your single friends are having, you can have fun. Right, exactly. You can change it up, man. You can go out tonight karaoke until four in the morning. And you're going to tell me that you've got three kids and that you have the job to do and all these sorts of things. That's cool. I understand that you have responsibilities that I don't have or that we don't necessarily have, but it doesn't mean you can't have your own version of fun. Yeah, and you know, when people make excuses, especially if you're in North America, I always remind them. Like, they'll be like, oh, I can't invest in my relationship that way, or I don't have the energy for sex, or I don't have this or that. I say, just so you know, everything you're doing, somebody is doing without running water and electricity, and they're not that far away from here. So, you know, we do not look at our privileges. We always look at what you know, makes our life supposedly more difficult. But these first world problems, uh, I'm not saying we don't have problems that people in the first world don't face challenges, but anything you're doing, somebody is doing with no running water, no electricity. I can tell you uh, we're heading down to Jamaica in a couple of weeks and we'll be doing some volunteer work with Mustard Seed, with Jacob's Ladder, with the, and as well as the Arakabasa Foundation. And the conditions in which many people live in this world 
put our concerns and the things that we worry about to shame. Wow, you want some perspective on how insignificant most of our problems are. And I don't mean that people don't have problems, you know, health and financially, but... And mental health. And mental health. But if you're worried about what clothes you're going to buy or car you're going to drive or what house you're going to get, go on a trip. And, or go to, go, you don't even need to go on a trip. Just go somewhere where people are really struggling and get some perspective because that, you'll come back with a fresh new um, perspective, I guess, of your own as to what real problems are. And for me, that certainly helped me feel more gratitude for the things that I do have. Actually, I, that actually threw me a total curveball when we went down to Jamaica and yeah, we, did that work we with were, mustard seed and Jacob's Ladder. We I were came planting back uh, 50 fruit and vegetable trees. My family, there were like 30 or 40 of us. And um, yeah, but that was a really, we, we don't have time to talk about that right now. But that, that changed a, my life. That was a life-changing moment for Brandon. Um, even yesterday, I was on my way to the airport in New York. And my, I was, LaGuardia traffic was really bad. And I was worried that I was going to miss my flight. And I turned to my right and there was an old man in a garbage can searching through like old um, corn husks and some lettuce and looking for something to eat because he was hungry. And I was reminded that, oh, I'm stressed about missing my flight. And if I miss my flight, no big deal. I get on the next flight and that's my privilege. And like, it's amazing how all of your worries, all of your stresses, at least for me, all my first world rich people's stresses dissipate fully when I see that like there's an old man who has nothing to eat and I'm worried about being late for a flight. And it's, well, I mean, it's a legit concern about being late, but true. But I, I'm just reminded that it's not worth getting stressed about because I have zero control over the traffic and I'm not driving. So there's nothing I can do if I, and I did make my flight, but if I didn't make my flight, worst case is I get on the next flight and that's the privilege with which I live. And I, like, I think that, it's not worth having all of these benefits and privileges and, and I, I don't know, I know I have an amazing life, okay? Um, it's not worth it if I can't stop and appreciate it. I don't know how we got there. Yeah, that was a real, you know, deviation from what we were talking about. But I think at the end of the day, they're just, people have what, you always see things, the grass is greener on the other side. So yeah. don't get caught up in it. Yeah, and then the, the flip side of that, of course, is don't assume that what you have works for everybody else. So if your single friend says they don't want to be set up, don't set them up. That's what I was trying to get to. And then I thought of the man and the car ride yesterday. And, you know, every day I have a moment like that where I'm reminded how lucky I am. And I hope that you have that moment today and tomorrow and every day because, for me, that makes life um, richer and deeper and makes me feel more compassion. And with that compassion comes real, like, happiness. So, and I think better relationships. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna. Get too deep if I keep going and uh, in the rabbit hole. Yeah, we're off to Montreal this weekend. I have some work, and hopefully, we'll have some pleasure. Definitely. Yeah, you want to go to Super Sex? Super Sex. Super Sex, a super contact. Want to go get some French coffee? I'm gonna stop. Yeah, maybe maybe Brandon shouldn't do accents. Je peux parler français, non? Okay, now <laughs> he's just showing off. Okay. Folks, we ramble. Have a lovely weekend. If it's a long weekend where you are, enjoy it. Check out my Insta stories if you want to see our nonsense. We will be karaokeing. I have the voice of a songbird. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I got no comment. It's a songbird who's not doing very well. Have a great week, folks, wherever you are. See ya. 
You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. 